Welcome to Flopography, where we revisit old pop albums that are known by many, not because of their critical or commercial success, but because of their lack thereof. These albums received the designation of flop. But did we give them a fair shake? It's season three, episode five. I can't believe we're more than uh, halfway through the season already, Mike. It's been a good one. Speaking of which, it's finally, it's been raining in LA for the past couple of weeks, but it's finally, we've seen some respite in the form of sun and it's in the 60s. This is my favorite time to live in LA because I can see you in a beanie right now and flannel trying to stay warm. What's the Chicago weather like been over the It's actually, I will say it's been a pretty moderate winter. It's like 35, 30 today. So that's not bad. I'm more of being beanie because I was like, I'm going to get cozy for this episode, but also like feel like it fits the aesthetic for who we're profiling today. But 60 does sound nice, Steve. It is. I mean, frankly, I almost went shirtless, not because of the fact that it's 60, but because of the Uh, artists that we're reviewing today. I got you. Bada bing, bada boom. This is definitely prime time to come to uh, LA. My family is actually coming for half of February and half of March. They're staying in Airbnb, so we do have them at arm's length, but that's kind of why we're trying to record as much as we can before they come in town. So they're going to get away from the winter weather in the Midwest as well. Your family lives local, right? Yeah, everyone's local. My mom's literally across the street. (laughs) So she lives across the street. Yeah, I didn't tell you that. But long story. But you know what? She found a condo right across from my building. And it was like, I don't care. My mom's not invasive. I love my mom. So So she's moved. She moved after you bought the house. Yep. Literally like a couple months after she found the place because she was looking to move and just happened like that. And I'm cool with it. Mine aren't invasive either, but it's just going from living halfway across the US (laughs) to living a mile away for a month. It's going to be an interesting transition, but I am excited to spend time with them. So let's transition to the album that we'll be reviewing today, which is Maroon 5's Jordy. 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 I constantly misspell this, but just for y'all know, it's J-O-R-D-I. And the memories bring back, memories bring back your... This is Maroon 5's seventh studio album. So they've been around for quite a while since their debut release, Songs About Jane. What is your perspective on Maroon 5? What I'm wearing today. Hoodie, beanie, like pop rock, adult pop rock, alt pop rock, like all of that. I put them in the category, and this may be controversial, but of like U2 and like Coldplay Maybe more Coldplay, they're a bit more poppier, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, they had some hit. They're, they're mega stars, I would say. There's a reason why they played the Super Bowl. So, pretty big artists. A super group, shall I say. Did you enjoy their uh, Super Bowl performance? I didn't understand the backlash. I thought it's exactly what you would expect from, you know, a, a pop rock band. I didn't think they did anything completely indifferent, so I thought it was decent. But I, under, I do understand the cultural perspective of that. I do understand that. What, the cultural perspective? Social justice, I get it. That's a, They came at a wrong time right after the NFL's controversies. I'll say that. I enjoyed Maroon 5's early hits. I liked She Will Be Loved. Did you enjoy <laughs> that one, the coffee shop vibes? This is um, exactly that. <laughs> uh, Girls Like You, how do you, you, 
Cardi B's feature. Come on. You had to enjoy that. That was one of the biggest radio hits a couple of oh, years yeah. back. I think everyone did. I mean, Maroon 5 is a really good example of a band that is started off as a traditional rocky pop rock band that has really transitioned into pop super stardom and their career is pretty interesting. And I think we're going to talk a lot about that today. Yeah. And as their music evolved, I feel like it became a bit more cheesy. So I, I listened to the radio hits and bopped my head a bit. I did like one of the songs. We'll get to it later from this album uh, memories. I did enjoy that song a little bit to me. The Super Bowl performance was underwhelming and the fact that he took off his shirt felt really like dated. And that's what I mentioned about showing up shirtless today. Uh, <laughs> but I didn't want Mike to call me skinny fat. Oh my he God. Did that one time, no. by the way. I said that years ago and that stuck with Steve. <laughs> and Adam Levine obviously is part of the voice. It feels like that is part of the whole transition to your point about like the adult pop scene. A little bit of background. Recently, Adam Levine was trending on the internet when a 23-year-old model uh, claimed she had been having an affair with him, who's 43. Levine denied the affair but confessed to poor judgment in communicating with the model despite being married. And his cringy text went viral, Mike. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, yeah. What What was your opinion on the uh, the whole situation? Not surprised. I feel like people shouldn't either. He's a, he's a rock star, you know, and someone who has sex appeal and takes a shirt off at shows. So I feel like it was not too surprising and it's messed up that he is with someone. But come on. Are you surprised, Steve? <laughs> no, no. I just kind of assume everyone in Hollywood cheats to a degree. Oh my God. So let me read you this this DM he sent, though. Watching your ass jiggle on that table will permanently scar me, one of his message reads. I'd do anything for it. I'd buy it a steak dinner and whisper sweet nothings to it. Apparently, you don't need to have game when you're in, you know, when you're Adam Levine. And apparently, you don't need the lyricist to be able to write a very punchy text or DM. All right, Mike, let's get into officially the background of the album. It was released June 11th, 2021. R&B, pop, hip hop had a great year. We talked about in previous episode, The Weeknd's Blinding Lights was number one. Doja Cat's Kiss Me More. Dua Lipa's Levitating. What stage was this artist in their career? This was Maroon 5's, like I said, seventh studio album. This was their first album since 2017. It was a four-year span. Gaps happen when artists have kind of reached their peak and they feel like they can do a little bit less now. They recorded this during the pandemic. It was their first album without bassist Mickey Madden following his 2020 arrest due to a domestic violence issue. The album is titled after the band's former manager, who died in 2017, Jordan Feldstein, who is the brother of Jonah Hill and the brother of Beanie Feldstein. Jordan was Adam's childhood friend, Adam Levine's childhood friend. And Maroon 5, like I said, launched Memories. This was a song dedicated to Jordan in 2019. Cue music. There's a time that I remember when I never felt so lost. All right, Mike, let's get into the numbers. Ooh, our favorite part of, of this. 
it's my favorite part. You're probably least favorite part. You like talking talking the smack later on. Yeah, but the album's first week sales, let's go back to five, which was two albums prior. It peaked at number one, sold 164K in the first week. Red Pill Blues peaked at number two. That was the 2017 album with 122,000. Jordy peaked at number eight with 37,000. Yeah. And Steve, for context, like 33,000 is not a completely abnormal number these days since we are in a streaming era. And one of the things that we'll talk about later more is Maroon 5 is definitely not an album's artist. All right. The album singles, Memories, actually peaked at number two on the Hot 100. It was a big hit. It spent 41 weeks on the chart. Nobody's Love was the second single. It did not fare very well for Maroon 5. Number 41 for 10 weeks. So the third single was Beautiful Mistakes, featuring Megan Thee Stallion. It went number 13, spent 25 weeks on the chart. So Maroon 5 had previously recorded two different songs with female rappers, one being SZA, What Lovers Do, that was a collab, as well as Girls Like You, a Cardi B collab. Do you have a favorite out of those three, Mike? Honestly, probably What Lovers Do, because that was like the first track they had done with a female rapper. And I don't even know if it says says a rapper anywhere to consider, but it was a bop and a half. And Girls Like You was also a bop. So I also did like their their album previous to this i thought was pretty sleek their critic scores kind of across the board are quite low in comparison to what we've reviewed in the past jordy got a 48 out of 100 metacritic score red pill blues got a 58 and five got a 55 so this one was the lowest reviewed and lowest sales that maroon five had seen out of those three albums i got this All right, it's time for the analysis of Jordy by Maroon 5. I'll go first because I know I chose this album and it was probably painful for you to listen to. Since I'm a strategist, my one word to describe the album was strategic. Okay. And you might be a little bit surprised by that because it seems like positive, right? I really felt that the album felt more like a business than an art. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I can see that. Maroon 5 leads with business and the art follows. And what I mean by that, it has a long list of writers. There were 47 writers on the album. Trendy beats. They try to always incorporate whatever is the most trendy. Short tracks. The album was short because the track length was short to be streaming friendly. They tacked on a two-year-old single. Maybe Memories was always intended to be on the album. It does fit conceptually, but it's also two years old. They used current hot streaming artists. So Megan Thee Stallion, Black Bear, popular streaming artists that they were trying to kind of collab with, Nipsey Hussle, Juice World. We'll get into that a little bit as well. But Levine in general rapped over these trap beats and sounded like he was trend pandering on a lot of the album. And so... I think if I had to sum it up, it, it'd be that this was like about a, a business decision versus an art decision. Now, that makes complete sense. And, you know, it's funny, Steve. So my, my word that I would describe this was sleek. 
as in super sleek production. And one of the things I had noted uh, when I was listening to this, which uh, by the way, it was not a dreadful listen by any means. I actually did not mind it at all. TBH. And I, so much so that I threw a Maroon 5 song in my playlist today at Cycle. Wow. Yeah. It was from the last album though. But what I really thought, what came to mind is that they, this album is showing they perfected their ability to make sleek sounding pop music. And because they have had the history, you mentioned all the big tracks that you've noted. They've been in the game for quite some time since like the early 2000s. And I think this album is really kind of a culmination of their ability to perfect what's trending and go for that. But at the same time, it felt like a little bit of a step back because it was unabashed pop and they were going for the artists that they know would help get them a little bit more traction, perhaps a little bit more of a younger demographic this time around. So Mike, what was the low moment for you of this Jordy era? I mean, it was a long era. There's a lot of moments to choose from, but what was your low moment of of the era of the album? I'm going to say kind of what we always say in terms of like the promo period. And only because Steve, like Memories was a, a hit and you turned on Top 40 Radio, you always heard that damn song. And nobody loved sure maybe it flopped i do think it's a good track though and the fact that it was dragged out so long is is a challenge and i know you mentioned this earlier but like it kind of seems like just a grab for streams by throwing it on there but i also think on the flip side of that it could be because some artists hang their hat on albums that don't have a really strong first track so so look at the megan stallion song right that was a brand new track that almost was like a resurgence and restart to their era. And because they didn't really, nothing stuck, they kind of threw on those other things. So the promo period and the gap between memories to now and this album was strong and probably a low moan in terms of overall performance. Well, when you have it spread out for so long, the pandemic happened it's such a different world than it was when Memories was released in 2019. Totally. For me, the low moment of the era is it felt to me a little bit recycled. Now, if I listen to all of Maroon 5's previous albums, no, I'll be the first to admit. But the use of the recycled beats and sort of like cookie cutter production felt like the low moment because there was no risk whatsoever in this album. And maybe that is the as a legacy artist, what you're looking to do is just to put out fresh music, tour, those sort of things. But Maroon 5 really hasn't pushed the boundaries before. But if you're not going to push sound or style, at least the album should contain a decent amount of catchy, radio-friendly tunes. And I think Maroon 5 has done this well in the past. I mean, like you said, they are a magnet for top, top 40 radio. But none of the true album tracks connected with the general public outside of memories. I think the Megan Thee Stallion song, I think it could have been bigger if it didn't feel like such a replication of the Cardi B girls like you. And it's just like, let's just choose the next hottest female rapper at the time. Beautiful mistakes I make inside my head. She's naked in my bed. I don't, I don't know a lot of Maroon 5 diehards, do you? Like people that are like, oh my God, I love Maroon 5. Because they don't have that established fandom, like maybe other artists, there's kind of 
it's your strategy and being able to recycle and do something that is part of a formula because it works. And I think we saw their movement towards this after moves like Jagger with Xtina um, and being able to say, oh, okay, well, we can do more of this and move away from our guitar driven work and try to get more of the masses. And it's led to their success in some way. Yeah, you make a great point about fandom because when I was looking for tweets, this was the hardest album to find Mm -hmm. people talking about. What song on the album should have been a single? One Light. Does that was that even a single though? One Light. No, it wasn't. Okay, good. Because I I I already know that song because I'd done it in my cycle class before. But that song, when I first heard it, like I was grooving to it. It was super catchy. I love a good Caribbean inspired beat. And to be honest, like it's the one that just gets me up out of my seat. Literally, I was listening to it today. To feel like I want to groove and move my, my hips. So I thought that one was really good and a really good feature. Well, I hope really you good. had a standing desk, Mike. I do, but I don't think I was standing at that time. <laughs> my choice was uh, Echo featuring Black Bear. That was a good and one. I felt like Echo might be the type of song that would get like stuck in your head. It had that repetitive nature yeah. in the chorus. It was a little too slow for me, but Black Bear is a radio-friendly artist. I still have a gripe with this song, is the fact that Black Bear almost delivers like this identical flow to Hot Girl Bummer. That was his big radio hit. Got this heart-shaped hole inside of me. I try to fill with anything, like taking trips and buying things. Steve, there are hooks in this album compared to like Lord released at the same time. I also like Button, which is on the deluxe edition. I thought that was super fun and and it's undeniable that they're able to do that. I will say one of my challenges listening to this album it always makes me feel weird when an artist does a track that necessarily doesn't fit with their background. So One Light, going back to that one, who was Adam Levine to be singing Caribbean type style of music with a, a singer of that area? And then same thing for Button, right? It's a Spanglish song with some pretty popular Spanish artists. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like it doesn't mesh well and it doesn't feel authentic. So that's probably one of the challenges with this album that I did have is authenticity. And I did as well. So we'll get to that in a bit. What do you age the best? Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead, Steve. Maybe you'll inspire me. So mine is actually a track and you may not agree with me, but I think memories age the best. This was the one song on the album that felt like it did its job and did a decent effort to commemorate Jordan Feldstein, which was the reason this album was created. Jordy, right? It solicited enough emotion for me to like break through. The song was commercially successful. Like I said, it went number two, spent 41 weeks on the chart. And a review said this about the rest of the album. Though heartfelt, the vagueness of the tribute on the rest of Jordy and the years-long promotional campaign makes it feel more of a tribute to the success Maroon 5 found in the 2010s that's unlikely to be replicated this decade. That is shady. It is shady. You did me wrong because I let you. Usually I like my situations beneficial. Steve, that's one of my issues with this album is that it didn't feel... like There was a disconnect between the, the namesake of the album versus like 
the follow through. I mean, again, that button song was a little bit more sexual in nature. So why is that on an album commemorating um, their former manager and, you know, lifelong friend? So, you know, I, I think holistically that didn't age well, but um, in terms of a track, I'm going to fight you on something, Steve. I think Be- um, Beautiful Mistake is actually not as bad as you say it is because as I was listening to it, I was, I was in my kitchen and I was like, I was grooving to it. I'm like, I forgot the song. I mean, it's not that old, but like, it's, it's not a bad track because they perfected what they did with SZA and Cardi B. So you can't knock them for having a formula and doing it again. So that, so to you, what aged the best is the formula or is that song? I'm going to say the song because it's representative of the formula. To me, what didn't age well was the collabs. And it's not specific to the Megan Thee Stallion feature. But like I said, there was this attempt to recreate successful blueprint from previous collabs, like the popular artists of the moment. That's what it felt like a list, basically. The features didn't jive either. Like you said, there's different like styles of music. And in the standard edition, the album has seven features and only four songs that are solely Maroon 5. Let's start with Stevie Nicks. Yeah, that's where uh, I was going to go, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams went viral and she had this duet with Miley Cyrus. All right, let's throw her on the album. Next, Nipsey Hustle and Juice World. Like, are we kind of capitalizing on the death here? I felt icky about that. Like, it it was pretty soon after, but it just felt a little icky to me. And then using Megan Thee Stallion after the success of Cardi B, it just felt like, let's put another black female rapper in here. I know that's not like what maybe yeah. it just felt the whole thing felt a little icky. A review read that I, that I pulled instead, they sound like the band simply looked up a list of the most streamed artists of the last two years and reached out requesting duets on the Nipsey Hustle and Juice World features. Despite the album's inherent intent to be a tribute to those past, these tracks fail to respect their legacy and feel like cheap grab for streams. Well, that might be, so So I'm going to change my answer because originally I was going to say the Stevie Nicks collaboration because just as an aside, if you've listened to Taylor Swift's Snow on the Beach, Stevie Nicks was underutilized in the song just as Lana Del Rey was in Stone on the Beach. That said, I think it's part of the musicality of it. Like it's still Stevie Nicks vocals you can't deny are, are, are impressive and good on the song. That said, Nobody's Love is is a beautiful track in my opinion. Um, and it's about the post-incidents of George, George Floyd in 2020. And I think it makes me feel, I don't think I know, it makes me feel like uneasy because it's here we are with a band that was like, gonna go to the super bowl and perform and there's a lot of controversy around that because people were in protest and they chose not to protest and move on with that and it's like who is maroon five to have a song about george floyd and the social justice movement who are they to be working with a spanish artist who are they to be working with a black female artist who are they to be working with and having caribbean style music there's a lot of question marks that i don't think are bad because there's some something to be said about their courage to talk about those things and to be able to provide a voice in these maybe challenging topics and invite others into their music that has a little bit more popularity. That's to be commended. Um, I don't think Maroon 5 is an artist um, or band that has negative connotations with that type of stuff. 
But again, I think it's just the wrong timing to be able to release those tracks given the climate of the world, which was very much in the thick of it in 2021 when this album was released. Yeah, I think what we're both saying is like, we don't necessarily think these choices were wrong, mm-hmm. but we think that it, there is like a bit of ickiness or yeah. like an uneasiness around these choices. Totally. If I was your PR person, I'd be like, hey, look, can we like redact some of these tracks and make it an EP because... You flopped already. You're not doing well so far with the directory. And look, look at the climate. So they need to get some better PR. Hit me up. Maybe you look here tomorrow, like it. If you ever live, never run like it. Lonely like it, Ali, Ali. Building off that, what's your rationale for what went wrong? It's it's gonna come back to promo and a disconnect with the audience, they weren't able to get traction around this. And they threw it together, it seems, just to kind of make good of whatever tracks they had already recorded since 2019, because they started recording in 2019 for this album, and just throw it and stitch together. I think that's what what went wrong, is just the lack of investment from the artist, that there's no artistry to this actual album. What about you, Steve? Yeah, mine's similar and we've talked a little bit about it, but I think it like this to me is what went wrong. Creating this album, honoring a friend's death, but the album itself feels super inauthentic and strategic versus like being in line with the concept. One thing I wanted to build on Nobody's Love is that when the band released Nobody's Love as a single in July 2020, Levine said he made the song with the whole world in mind, urging essential workers and social justice activists to remember the potent power of love as they listened to the song. So not only was it about the social justice movement and George Floyd, Mike, he also, you know, made it about the essential workers and about COVID, which feels like trying to be everything to everyone. And I think that's the problem with this album is that it's trying to be everything to everyone. And on the Juice World feature, the track is about like Levine begging a love interest to talk to him. It doesn't feel natural with the use of like Juice World and the concept of this album about their friend Jordy. Again, it's it's a wrong time, wrong moment to be released. And it's like, sit down, Adam <laughs> and band. You don't need to be doing this here. What I will say is, this is a complete aside, but kind of similar just in terms of Adam Levine, because let's be honest, I don't know if anyone can name any of the other members of Rune 5. The basis who left for domestic assault. I I learned his name through this process. Exactly. Who knew that? I didn't even know it. I was like, I don't remember that. It's it's commendable for Adam Levine to know his place in his career and that he is Maroon 5. And Maroon 5 is Adam Levine. And I look at other artists like Nicole Scherzinger of the Pussycat Dolls, who, you know had success with two albums and was quickly like, I got to jump ship and I got to do my own thing and I'm going to be Diana Ross, right? Sometimes it just can't make it work. And when you have a brand, I, I commend him for owning that brand and going with it and and moving on from it. Because even on the production of this, and I don't know if anyone knows this, but like, I don't, I think the last couple albums, they hadn't really produced it on their own. I don't know if they ever did, but like they're using top 40 producers. The Monsters and the Strangers is a very big top 40 producer. Um, production team that that has produced this album in, in large portions. So it's to be commended 
that he's still owning his brand because a lot of Maroon 5 has gone away as of this record. All right, Mike, it's time to read the fan tweets. All right, the first tweet is from Michael Porter, and it's a couple of tweets, so I'll read them, Mike. So I'm going to vent a little. Maroon 5 has released a new CD, Jordy. It is dedicated to Jordan Feldstein, the band's manager and Adam's lifelong friend. Almost half of the album, especially the deluxe version, is a collective collection of singles, some released before the album. He's a, he's a reviewer as well, apparently. <laughs> it's a fun, melodic pop album. If you don't like pop, stay away. If you think Maroon 5 is not making good pop anymore, stay away. If you want fun, memorable songs in Adam Levine and company, with Adam Levine and company, then come and enjoy. Hashtag Jordy, hashtag Maroon 5. I think the critics are too tough on this one. I love this person, like spot on, except for the fact that memorable songs, I don't know if they're memorable, but it's an undeniable guilty listen to it. Guilty pleasure listen. The next tweet is from Friendly Alexander. It says, I really hope Maroon 5 Jordy album flops. Like all the songs are awful except the singles and they are so wrong for using two dead rappers for clout. Dead emoji. Damn, they went there. All right, Mike, we're going to introduce the biggest Maroon 5 fan. It says, Meet Jordy. And it is a picture of a cat. What? Uh, and it says, Maroon 5 have been a part of my life for 12 years, helping me through my darkest times. And so when naming her, which is her cat, I knew I wanted to be Maroon 5 related. Their album, Jordy, is one I relate to immensely. And I'm so excited for our adventures. That's fine, but what about Jane? Songs about Jane, first album. Come on, that'd be that's good true. But Ma- Jordy was more impactful to them. Maybe like go. you, they didn't think it was a flop. There we go. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll see. With that, Mike, it's time for our 2023 review. And I honestly have no idea what you're going to review this album. I didn't either. Uh, I, I never sometimes do see because I sometimes my mind, my mind goes everywhere, right? It goes from artistry. It goes from commercialism and, and everything. And, you know, I, I'm going to go with, it is a flop, but I don't think it's a bad album. Commercially, it's totally a flop, but I think people should give it a listen. It's not something you would fall asleep to like i have for some albums that we reviewed in this um series but it's 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 fun it's exactly what you should take it for and i think music should be treated as such i think of paris hilton she's a really you know uh she's not a mariah carey but she has some good pops <laughs> but she Far has from it, pop, right take an artist for who they are and maroon five knows that that said i would be curious and and um to see and want them to do this take a step back on your next album go back to basics go back to the original sound have a little bit of a restart because he had done this pop thing a bit much and they could benefit from going a little bit more to another direction so this to me is a flop yeah i have my t-shirt oh yes buy buy the merch merch. (laughs) flopography a couple of reasons they didn't experiment out of their comfort zone they're trying to appeal to as many markets as possible and truly feel like they are a bit lost on how to kind of evolve from here, which maybe we should, they should just take Mike's direction. Not only this, but for a band as like high profile as Maroon 5 to score less than 40 K first unit or first week units 
uh, after a number two hit proves that this is equally a commercial failure. It got a 48 out of a hundred on Metacritic. I, you know, yes, that matters, but I think the, the concept didn't land. And I think because of that, plus the commercial and the critical failures, I think that this one's a flop. But I agree with you. It wasn't as painful as some of the other ones we've listened to. Steve, was this after the Super Bowl when they released this album? Yes. So the fact that they didn't even have the momentum from the Super Bowl is even more reason why to put this category flop. Like when you release an album after your Super Bowl performance, I mean, you should be riding that that coattails of that performance. It's, it's one of the biggest bookings you can ever get. So undeniable flop. Are you excited to see Rihanna this year? Oh yeah, I am pumped. I'm already like, I have a Super Bowl party every year and only because of the, obviously the pop stars. I don't care about the game, um, but, and wings. That's what I care about. But I'm already planning it because I'm like, I'm so pumped for this. Is she going to release new music before the Super Bowl? I don't know. The jury's still loud on that one. But I will say, ASAP Rocky just said the other day, he's really proud of his, quote, lady, because she is doing her thing again and recording new music, he said. So, wow. Um, well, maybe that was the My lead. coworker um, in the office on Wednesday, she lives uh, across the street from ASAP Rocky. So huh? they see Rihanna sometimes. Shut and- Okay, maybe I am visiting Steve. I'll book yeah. my flight. <laughs> so I go, you got to ask when Rihanna's new album is coming out. Legit. All right, Mike, that wraps up uh, season three, episode five. Yes. Uh, we have two more episodes to go in the in the core season mm-hmm. uh, and look forward to recording those uh, with you. Mike, why don't you tell everybody how they can get a hold of us and tell us about uh, their review of Jordy? Yeah, and Steve just gave a major spoiler in that we are recording this in advance of the season. Typically we, we record mid season and this is a lot of pressure because we are both communications and marketing type professionals in some way. So um, we are uh, encouraging you and actually ask you to message us, follow us, all that stuff, because you will help us inform next steps from there um, of the season. So go ahead and do that at flopography podcast. Um, you can also email us at flopographypodcast at gmail.com if social media is not your jam or if you want to send us a voice note and be included in a future episode. Um, anchor.fm slash flopographypodcast. That's how to find us on any streaming listening platform. And if you are on YouTube, like, comment, and subscribe. That always is helpful to us. And again, talk with us and tell us what you want to hear from us. And Mike, I was looking back at our Spotify uh, Spotify right. episodes, and I love those little polls. Every, like, I was surprised at the people participating. Yes. You guys love their polls, and I love them too. So we're going to continue to use those. So do that after this episode. It's probably on there. All right, guys. Have a good one. Have a good one.